Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Starting out this 2 o'clock hour with a little bit of uh, good news for you. Reading now from the Washington Post. Breaking news. The House has passed a bill to extend government shutdown deadlines. This just happened... uh, About an hour ago, the House approved legislation to extend the expiration date for federal funding later into March. And they're sending that measure to the Senate where it is expected to pass. And we're going to kick the can down the road again. Until March 8th, finances for the rest of the government will expire on March 22nd. Oh, boy. Always with the shutdowns. Hey, you know, I was just listening to the news there. Uh, there's all this talk about uh, the, the Pontalba apartment. Um, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. They're not that nice. I've been up there. It's nice. I mean, it's, it's okay. The location is fun. It's, it's cool to look out over Jackson Square, I guess. But the actual apartment? Nothing to write home about. So I guess it's okay that Mayor Cantrell and her booty guard were just up there playing Mario Kart. I don't know what else there is to do up there. Before we stepped away, I talked a little bit about Cindy Hyde-Smith objecting to a bill that would enshrine in vitro fertilization treatment at the federal level. That legislation was brought forth by Tammy Duckworth who objected to Cindy Hyde-Smith's complaint that this bill was going to lead to the creation of human-animal chimeras. Like, I don't think that that's what it was going to do, Cindy. I think it was just going to say that families have a right to access in vitro fertilization and the federal government is going to protect that right. I think if Tammy Duckworth was putting forth a bill that explicitly permitted the creation of human-animal chimeras, somebody besides you would be talking about it. For her part, Tammy Duckworth responded and said, 
that Cindy Hyde-Smith's interpretation of that bill was all wrong. Duckworth says, it does not force anyone to seek reproductive technology. It does not force anyone to offer it. It does not force anyone to cover it. It simply says, you have a statutory right should you choose to pursue assisted reproductive technology. I wasn't sure at first when this story broke if this was going to be like a one or two day story or something that was going to go on a little bit longer. But if there are folks in Congress and Senate who want to come down on the side of this issue that makes it more difficult for families to have babies that really want them. That's a loser. That is a political loser. I'm just some dude in radio. My observance of politics is just based on what I have read and absorbed over the course of my lifetime. But it doesn't take a rocket scientist to tell you, Cindy, this is a major political liability. Maybe not for you because you're in a pretty safe seat, but certainly for the rest of your party. You know, Republicans in swing districts are going to get hung with this. Hey, the people in your party think it should be more difficult for me and my wife to find in vitro fertilization services. We want to have a baby. We want to have a couple babies. And it shouldn't be so difficult for people in higher elected office to come out and stand in support of that. And yet, here we are. Coming up in a few moments, I'm going to bring things back down to the local level, folks. Yesterday, the city council here in New Orleans was handed a major victory by a federal judge who upheld the constitutionality of their short-term rental restrictions package. So that's your Airbnb, your VRBO, etc. It's been a long journey, but the city council in New Orleans finally got together a package of restrictions that seemed to mostly get what advocates wanted. Probably not, <laughs> definitely not what like the housing corporations like Sonder and the big major operators like that, not what they wanted. Sorry, guys, got to go make your money somewhere else besides my neighborhood. In just a few moments, we're going to talk to Andronika Morris. Andronika Morris has been a guest on the program before. She's amazing. She's one of my favorite people to talk to. She's from the Greater New Orleans Housing Alliance. We're going to let her kind of take a victory lap if she feels like it. And she's going to tell us what this means for New Orleans neighborhoods. And I'm pretty excited about that. But first, of course, it's time for the 2 o'clock news bomb. Holy smokes. President Biden and Donald Trump are both visiting the southern border today looking to take advantage of the nation's illegal immigration issues. President Biden and his likely GOP challenger both head to the southern border today. The president says he'd been planning to visit Texas and will be in Brownsville. What I didn't know is uh, my good friend apparently is gone. Donald Trump will be about 325 miles away in Eagle Pass along the corridor seeing the biggest number of illegal crossings. The dueling visits are a sign of immigration's central role in the election with both men looking to take advantage. 
The president's expected to hammer Republicans for tanking a bipartisan border security bill on Trump's orders. They consistently get in the way of what the president is trying to do to get more resources. Spokeswoman Corrine Jean-Pierre says the president will meet with border protection agents and others. Trump's expected to lay out his own updated immigration proposals, including expanding the controversial travel ban from his presidency. Sagar Magani, Washington. Now, House Speaker Mike Johnson says that there's a big difference between Joe Biden and Donald Trump as they're down there at the southern border. The side-by-side -side image of these two presidents could not be a greater contrast. One president was building a wall, President Trump. He was cracking down on those trying to cross the border illegally. He was supporting our CBP agents. He used his executive authority to stop illegal immigration. And the current president, Biden, He's doing exactly the opposite of all those things. He stopped construction on the wall. He halted deportations. He ceded operational control to the cartels and the traffickers. And he did everything he could to incentivize, incentivize illegal immigration. God, if only there was some like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like bipartisan compromise bill. It, it would have been awesome if somebody out there somewhere had crafted a piece of legislation that would address some of the issues that Mike Johnson's talking about. And it had a little bit for everybody, Republican, Democrat, independent. It's just really a damn shame that nobody came up with that legislation. Oh, oh, sorry. Someone's speaking to my, oh, they did do that. They did do that. And then Donald Trump said he didn't want them to do that. And then they didn't do it. Okay. Speaking of Mr. Trump, the Supreme Court is apparently moving fast in saying it will decide whether or not Donald Trump can be prosecuted on those January 6th related charges. The Supreme Court says it will decide if Donald Trump can be prosecuted in his election interference case. Lower courts have rejected Trump's novel claims that former presidents have absolute immunity for actions falling within their official job duties. An appeals panel here in Washington had ruled a federal judge was right to say that the case against Trump can proceed and he can be prosecuted for actions while in the White House and leading up to the Capitol riot. The high court justices are moving fast, saying they will hear arguments in late April and make a decision no later than the end of June. Sagar Magani, Washington. Ah, see, that's good. That's news to me. I love learning stuff in the news bomb. I didn't know that they had actually said that they're going to make an announcement about that. It's one less thing I can ask Thane Rosenbaum when he comes on at 320. Yeah, I'm going to talk to Thane Rosenbaum from uh, CBS News. He's their big in-house legal analyst there. Um, he's going to tell us a little bit about what Donald Trump's lawyers are saying when they're going to be in front of the Supreme Court and what it means for the election. Uh, heading out to the Middle East, there are reports of Israeli strikes on people waiting for aid in northern Gaza. More than 30,000 Palestinians have been killed in the Gaza Strip since October the 7th, according to health officials, as a new strike in northern Gaza raises the death toll. Gaza's health ministry has said dozens of people were killed in an Israeli strike on a crowd of Palestinians waiting for much-needed humanitarian aid in northern Gaza. An official said hundreds more were wounded in the strike in Gaza City. The strike and new death toll come as the first major delivery of much-needed aid reached Gaza this week. 1,200 people were killed in a deadly Hamas attack on southern Israel on October the 7th. I'm Karen Shamas. All right, now voters across several states in the U.S. are preparing to cast ballots on Super Tuesday, which is next Tuesday, March 5th. 
Here's uh, Associated Press reporter Bill Barrow. He's going to do sort of a thorough breakdown on the origins of Super Tuesday and what this day means in the broader view of the 2024 presidential election. Super Tuesday is the single biggest day of the presidential primary uh, calendar. More states vote on that single day than any other. More delegates are at stake on that day than any other. Iowa and New Hampshire lead off the process for Republicans. South Carolina led off the process for Democrats. But this is the day that can absolutely make or break a campaign, particularly competitive years. Super Tuesday originated decades ago as several states, a, a lot of them in the South, sort of banded together to increase their influence in the nominating process in response to sort of the early states having developed so much influence, Iowa and New Hampshire. So this collective of states sort of got together, moved up kind of as the next phase, next major phase of the primary process. It has since evolved into a truly national map that we see today uh, for both parties. The Super Tuesday slate is as varied as California, a heavily Democratic state that still has millions of Republicans, so a very important state with a lot of delegates in both parties. Massachusetts, several Southern states, uh, one of the most conservative states in the country in, in Alabama. Those, those kinds of places uh, give Super Tuesday that, that wide breadth. But what Super Tuesday does is sort of become kind of a a transition point, a bridge, if you will, toward a more general election posture, where even if a, a nominating fight is still going, nearly always someone has a pretty clear delegate lead. They may have a rival that's still punching up at them, maybe even able to win some more primaries. But you start to really get the shape of, of what the fall, summer and fall campaigns are going to look like, who the nominees are going to be, and what the issues are that are going to shape that debate. All right. Not too shabby. Thanks for that, Mr. Barrow. I'm Ian Hoke, and that was your 2 o'clock news bomb. Is this thing working? 2 o'clock news bomb. No. <laughs> Funny story. What happened? I hit record instead of play. <laughs> so it recorded record? for the sound effect. So, so we don't have the bomb sound effect? Where's the bomb sound effect? Okay. Well, sh should I set it up again? Okay. Go ahead. Oh, you ready? I'm Ian Hoke, and that was the 210 News Bomb. <laughs> Let's go to James and Harvey. James, you're on the air. WWL, my brother. What's Hi, going brother. on? I need you to help me clarify okay. something where conservatives or whoever decide that upon conception, it's a baby. Yeah. If it's a baby on conception, mm -hmm. is it twins? Is it a boy? Is it a girl? Is it going to be viable? Are both going to be viable? And if so, and they are babies, this law that they're talking about, that their babies, that was on the book some years ago. Mm -hmm. Somebody, there is no statute of limitation on homicide or murder. These people know what they're doing? I, I, I wonder. I think because, you know, when I was talking about this on Monday, the chief justice of the Alabama Supreme Court, he makes rulings like this all the time, like extremely pro-life rulings to the point where it actually seems to just complicate the issue way beyond like, hey, we're going to protect the unborn. Okay, you know, we're all here to do what we're all here to do. That's fine. That's what the people of Alabama want. That's an elected position. But in other previous rulings, he's also used religion to kind of back up his 
his his his opinion. And, you know, he's quoting from Jeremiah and Genesis and his concurring opinion. Well, he's got a right to his opinion. He's of course. He's got a right to his belief. Absolutely. What if, my belief, what if my belief believes that life begins when you take a breath? Don't I have a right to my beliefs? He has to adhere to the principles of the Constitution and law, and in a way, common sense. Because if you're going to say it's a baby, you should be able to tell me how many it is, whether it's a male or female. And you can't do that at conception. Yeah. If they can, maybe I went to the wrong school. I don't know the way out of this, James. I really do not. It seems like at some point. Compromise. We're going to. Yeah, exactly. I'm talking literally legislation. There's going to be, you know, a package in Congress that says definitively the federal government, as far as the feds are concerned, life starts at conception or life starts at. 15 weeks or life starts at 18. I have no damn clue how we're going to get out of this mess. None. They're going to have to get together and compromise because right now, if something's breathing and it can cry and it can poop and it can pee, and I go put a pillow over its head in all of the 50 states, I've committed murder. Mm -hmm. There's no question about that. We call those babies. They've got to get together and come up with a definition. Well, let's not hold our breath, James. Thanks so much for the call, man. We're going to step away and come back with Andrew Nika Morris, the president and chair of the Greater New Orleans Housing Alliance. You want to react to anything we just did in the news bomb or I said or Coleman said or James said, go ahead and get queued up here. I'm going to talk to Andrew Nika for probably 10 or 15 minutes and then come back to your comments on the Oakland Art Jewelers Talk and Text Line. You know how to get in touch. It's 504-260-1870. I'm Ian Hoke sitting in for Scoot, who's back on Monday, and I'll be back right after this. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers over overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Reading now from WWL.com. A federal judge in New Orleans ruled that the city council's latest short-term rental regulations are lawful, upholding the city's one permit per square block rule and the lottery system used to award those permits. 
quote, we've been fighting from the beginning to stop corporations from taking over our residential neighborhoods, and this ruling vindicates our efforts to protect New Orleanians. That is, of course, New Orleans City Council Member at Large, Helena Moreno. And joining me on the line right now is Andronica Morris, the President and Chair of the Greater New Orleans Housing Alliance. Ms. Morris, welcome back to the program. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This is, by many accounts, a major victory for the city council and for organizations like yours. What is the immediate reaction to this ruling among your fellow travelers on this issue? Well, the immediate reaction is, okay, it's time to put up or shut up. Mm -hmm. Uh, The city council has put together rules. Uh, we we, We have had some concerns about how they're going to execute these rules. And we want to see that they can be done equitably and impactfully and without confusion. So now they have the green light. So they need to move forward with the execution of the of these rules, the lottery system that needs to be transparent and straightforward and clear. Um, because if they can't enforce these rules, then we're in trouble. And it will be a lot of hard work for nothing. So we want to see uh, what the implementation plan looks like as soon as possible. And we also want to make sure that that doesn't get in the way of other initiatives like the Healthy Homes Deployment, uh, which has happened before. Uh, we need to be doing, we need to be walking and chewing gum at the same time. Because you mentioned, you, you read the quote about protecting our neighborhoods. We have to be protecting our people. The people of New Orleans need, want to be protected. They want to be able to stay in their homes. They want their homes to be high quality. And they want them to be affordable. And so these, these initiatives coupled together can go a long way towards addressing that. But that's what the that's the immediate thought. When we saw the news and we saw the um, saw the saw the ruling, we know that there's gonna be an appeal, but they, the stay has been lifted. So the city is now empowered and allowed to implement these rules. Ms. Morris, I'm, I'm really sorry to do this to you. I know you're traveling today and are probably in an airport or on a speakerphone or something, but it's it's just a little bit difficult for us to hear you. Is there anything else you could do or change that might clear up your signal a bit? Sure. Sorry about that. I'm oh. outside. I thought that was going to, I thought being That's outside way better. was going to help. No. Yeah, there we go. There we oh go. Oh my there God, it's, go. it's night and day. Okay, thank you for doing that. Um, great. So yes. I, I want to talk to you more about enforcement. As always with this sort of thing, it's always about enforcement, enforcement, enforcement. So what, who is your primary target for making sure that City Hall steps up to the plate in this regard? So we've got a check and balance system, right? We can't keep going, well, we passed the rules and it's this group, it's the mayor's responsibility to enforce them. These bodies have to show that they can work together uh, for, for, in order to meet the needs of the people of New Orleans. That, that's no, it's not acceptable um, that um, groups that have, that the, the city council, which has the right to check and balance the office of the mayor um, and, and can't do that. So now we've got rules that can be put in place. They need to be enforced. Um, and that continues with a lot of another, other initiatives. There's also some funding out there that can be put out to help uh, help people with things like insurance, help people with utility costs. The, the, the city council has the power of the purse, so they need to be wielding it impactfully and effectively to make sure that the rules that they've created, the funding that they've appropriated, is actually landed the way that it's supposed to. We can spend time figuring out how to make sure that one housing unit at the at the Patabla uh, was not at the mayor's control. We need to see that same kind of effort for all the other housing opportunities that the people of New Orleans need. <laughs> we can focus on one apartment, mm-hmm. 
we need to focus on hundreds, thousands of apartments. I love that. It's not impossible. It's not impossible. Okay, great. Um, Just uh, quoting from Helena Moreno earlier, she said, we've been fighting from the beginning to stop corporations from taking over our residential neighborhoods. I'm happy to have a lively discussion and debate about, you know, uh, little Miss Betsy, who's like renting out half of her house as an STR so that she can stay in her home. I mean, there's, there's a lot of gray area there in my view about, the efficacy Same. of people Same. using these STRs to stay in their homes when they might otherwise be forced to leave. But Same. what gets me out of bed in the morning is these large multinational corporations coming in and be like, well, we're going to buy these 40 houses and we're going to turn them all into tiny hotel rooms. The profit incentive here, there's just no other way to view it. These corporations are absolutely dead set, laser focused on taking over our neighborhoods to the greatest degree possible. So what types of challenges have you and your fellow travelers overcome in your effort to stop them from doing that so far? Like what what, what skins do you have on the wall, I guess? (laughs) So one of the things that we have is the smart housing mix which it works in areas where there are where you're going to see a lot of concentration of investments because one of the things that we're talking about i agree with that statement i need to again the statement that you read from councilwoman moreno we need to make sure it's not so limited as to think about corporations who only create short-term rentals we also need to be talking about corporations who will sustain the artificial in um, price gouging that's going on in our rental market um, by building housing that will they'll start by saying we've seen this happen before uh, at the uh, at the bad side of the Browns Dairy site where right. uh, there was a whole big push around home ownership and then all of a sudden it couldn't be home ownership it had to be um, they had to turn to short term rentals for some whatever reason right because the numbers wouldn't work that's part of the concern that folks have with the Riverfront District project uh, is the affordable housing being used to cover other parts other investments that really don't make sense, right? Mm-hmm. So commercial high-level development, we've got to make sure that it's actually being constrained. It needs to be regulated. So we have the smart housing mix on the books, mandatory inclusionary zoning that requires uh, developments of a certain size, include affordable housing. The council is looking to expand that so we can talk about home ownership so that when we're going into communities, people don't say, well, I'm going to go build uh, 10 houses and then turn them into short-term rentals, we need to make sure that we have these rules in place um, that prevent them from, from, from skirting around it. Because one of the challenges that we have is that a lot of the rules that just got passed refer to residential zoning. Our neighborhoods are mixed. Mm-hmm. So if you have a commercial, something that used to be a, a corner store and it's commercially zoned, some of these rules don't apply, mm-hmm. right? And, and so we have to make sure that we're looking at all of that and we're not just saying, we're not just foregoing the so-called commercial areas of our city and saying it can, they can do whatever because I don't want it in my neighborhood and not realizing that you live in what is, you know, formerly a commercial block and that things can happen there um, that are not necessarily, that, that you might not agree with. And, and so we, we need to keep focused on that. So there's tools in place. They need to be used. The city planning commission needs to be talking about this. And we also need to be talking about what it takes to create housing that people can afford and that affordable housing is not a dirty word. Everybody wants housing they can afford. So then you want affordable housing. If you start talking about poor people in disparaging terms, uh, I suggest everybody look at their bank account and reflect on what it really means to be rich. In 
because <laughs> I don't know many really rich people. Yeah. I know people who do okay, but are also struggling, especially now with mm-hmm. insurance. Mm-hmm who are looking at tripling of their insurance costs and going, I can't afford this. I I can't afford this. And so let's take a breath and and think about who makes this city what it is. It's so many people who make $7.25 an hour or earn a couple of hundred bucks gigging. Um, Those are the people we say that we love. So we need to do right by them. I see. And and so – yeah, I, was say, I, I see them downtown every day, and that that thought always crosses through my mind. How how are we? How do we sustain this without these people being able to affordably live here? I want to look at these yep. uh, the policies that the city council had had to had to defend in court one by one. Mm-hmm. How sh- how should we feel about the one permit per square block limit? Like how, so that yeah yeah that's something that we long ago so supported and and then we're glad to see back. Um, we do need to be talking about limits in areas and things like that. We're the only concern that we might have about it is the enforcement, right? Right. Um, you know when we talk about uh, you know again to your point, uh, are we talking about whole homes or are we talking about people who are truly renting out rooms in their houses or um, the the old slave cottage? Uh, at the back of their house that's mm-hmm. been, been turned into a nice unit or um, half of their double, because everyone agrees that owner-occupied uh, short-term rentals is something that people are okay with as long as you're on site. So how do you manage that? And then also talk about what are you limiting? Who who gets the permit? Who gets to pull the permit? How is that real? So that it is the person who needs that income as opposed to the person for whom this is just a business opportunity. So we don't oppose that idea. It's all about execution, and it's all about making sure that the worst people possible don't manage to get what they want. And, again, those people we know, those native New Orleanians um, who need this income are are left holding the bag and looking and saying, I I can't manage I can't stay here anymore. So we're also seeing that the federal judge has upheld that lottery system for anybody who wants to have a, a an STR in addition to the one that's already got the permit. I know that came into the negotiations very late when this package came out of the city council. Freddie King kind of wandered in and chucked a live grenade into the discussions at the last second. How are we yeah. feeling about the lottery system now? That was we we had a weird. That's one we're really concerned about when it comes to equity. Um, there were also some thoughts about the council members themselves being able to approve some of this stuff, and uh, we were really mm-hmm. worried about that kind of thing. Out it's of, just like out of constituent services. It's like okay, um, I thought we didn't like influence peddling. Yeah, right? it's just like, like so- a, a neon sign that says like, "Hey, uh, this is a probably the greatest opportunity for corruption." That's you know, right? Like, who, it's insane who, that we did this. Who, yeah, who do you value more? Yeah. Um, it, it, it's a te- I mean, it might be a test. And then, but so this, this has got to be done with transparency. It's got to be done with some integrity. These are not impossible things. Um, no matter what, no matter how much we like to giggle over the state of our political um, uh, political vagaries here in Louisiana, I do like to that, giggle. Those are, you do like to giggle. I I, I think we all do. Uh, we got to start demanding more of these folks. And so they pass rules, they got to enforce them, and they have to enforce them to the standards that the people of New Orleans entrusted them to. There's an election next year. Mm-hmm. So I think that this is actually an, an amazing time to see 
what these seven folks can do, what they can do in partnership with the mayor so that they all can demonstrate because uh, they're all going to either be moving on to other things or uh, running for or applying for other jobs, and we get to select them because they all work for us. We get to decide if we're going to promote some of them, if we're going to retain some of them, or if we're going to fire some of them, right? Mm-hmm. So this is a really great opportunity for those eight people to show um, what they can do. I see. Okay. I, I want to go back for just, and I got just a couple minutes here left, Andrew Nika. Sure. Uh, I want to go back to the example I cited earlier, little, little Miss Betsy, the retiree yeah. who's, you know, got, uh, you know, a mother-in-law unit in the back or the second half of a double. I, I know right. there, there's a lot of local homeowners, New Orleans citizens who have STRs that are helping them to pay their mortgage. What message, right. what message do you have for those people that might be about to lose that stream of income? So that is, those are the folks, we can't let their needs um, endanger everyone else. We have to do both and. Mm -hmm. And so this is an opportunity. As we're looking at how these eight people take this, they've been unleashed. We need to hear from them. We need to hear what's working and what's not working. That's why the lottery system, um, because it's available, is an area of opportunity. It can't just be an area of corruption or potential corruption. It's got to be an area where we're talking about how do we how do we navigate those gray areas? How do we say these are the people we're trying to exclude and clearly define that and quantify it and then apply it? And so I don't I don't think those people should automatically despair. I think those folks have to organize. And I think they again, they also have to recognize that um, this is a both and the the people who, um, again, make it so that they can go to the grocery store in their neighborhood, the people who work in City Hall and, 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 and um, help them with a number of things, uh, service industry workers, their doctors, their kids' teachers, all of these people need to be able to live here in, or, and in order for them to live here. Uh, and so how do we do this communally? We're not trying to push them out. Um, and, and so that means, and we don't intend this to, to make it harder for them to stay as well. So they've got to engage, and they got to run the the um, the gamut, and then say, "Hey, this didn't work for me. I missed out." And this the worst person in the world ended up getting a permit. <laughs> and so then we've got to have a conversation right. about what does that look like? How does that help? What interventions might be available for that person? beyond a short-term rental, because then maybe we're talking about an intervention in that home by re- reducing their utilities and helping them address their their insurance. What about their property taxes, right? Should, shouldn't the council be looking in the council? The New Orleans City Council has the power to add additional programs for homeowners. So if you're saying we can't let you do short-term rentals or we can't let all of you do short-term rentals, what else can you offer those folks? Yeah to help them lower their utility costs, lower their insurance costs. And I've, I've, I've talked to some council members who actually said, oh, whew, we don't have to do anything about the insurance crisis. <laughs> you don't have to, but you can. Yeah. <laughs> you can. You, <laughs> like, you, it's like it's Yeah, like, and I'm not just talking about the bully pulpit. I'm talking about, no, no. Um, St. Tammany Parish is looking at a program but using money to help people pay their help pay people help people pay their insurance mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for a couple of years while we while while they ride this out. Wow. 
you can talk about, again, investments to help them lower those costs. I love it. That makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, Ms. Morris, I just got time for one more. There will be an appeal of this decision, I expect, but I'm kind of fuzzy on yeah. to whom that gets appealed and what happens next. So I believe, and I'm not a lawyer, I only watch them on TV. It is my understanding that the appeal will go to um, the uh, the uh, Fifth Fifth Circuit uh, Court of Appeals, gotcha. if I'm not mistaken. And that's also, that was not a good um, ruling for um, the, the earlier iterations of Fifth. Um, that's why they have to go back oh, that's uh, and right. redo this. It was the Fifth yeah. Circuit that overturned it the the the, the first package. That's right. Then this was that's the right. Comp- that's okay. right. Oh, well. That's right. That's right. Now you know. Again, I've only watched lawyers on TV. It's my understanding that the last version, part of the problem was the fact that we were doing things that you know um, addressed that 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 ran afoul of full the, the concept of full faith and credit, right? The ability of an American to do something in New Orleans that they just because they don't live in New Orleans, they can't do it in New Orleans. Right. And so that was part of that, that piece. Um, and, but this, I don't think seems to have those kind of vulnerabilities. We'll see, we'll see where the fifth circuit lands and, and, and how they, um, how they, how they address it. But again, they, that's, this is also an opportunity. If something happens, um, and we can test it and recalibrate based on what they learn in the next few weeks and months as they implement the rules that they already put together. Awesome. Okay. Thank you so much for your time, Antronika. Have a safe flight if you do indeed get thank on you. it. I want to thank you again for your time. Always great to have you on the program. Take good care. All right. All right. Thanks. There she goes. Antronika Morris is the president and chair of the Greater New Orleans Housing Alliance. I'm Ian Hoke, and I'm very late. I'll be right back after this. Check this out. Hot off the press. Meet Saints legendary running back Deuce McAllister this Saturday at the grand opening of the new Cox Mobile store in Mid-City at 330 North Carrollton Avenue. Stop by, say hi, talk some football, and register to win an autographed helmet signed by Deuce. Huddle up with the legend Deuce McAllister this Saturday, 1230 to 130 at the brand new Cox Mobile store on Carrollton Avenue in Mid-City. You gotta love Deuce. Wouldn't an autographed Deuce McAllister helmet look pretty good in your man cave or on your mantle or, you know, in the driver's seat of your car? Just saying. Hey, also, just a little bit more housekeeping. Want to make sure you know you can win tickets to go see Jennifer Lopez in concert later this uh, summer, Friday, August 30th. J-Lo is bringing her This Is Me Now tour to the Smoothie King Center. And we want to send you there. We got a pair of tickets ready to give away at WWL.com slash contests with an S on the end. Contests, like more than one contest. You can see J-Lo in concert, compliments of Live Nation and WWL. I always like to just reiterate the, the, the contest is so easy to enter. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to be like the eighth caller or anything. You just go and type in your birthday and your email address and you're basically done. The next thing that happens is maybe we reach out to you and say, hey, congratulations, you won two tickets to go see J-Lo. So you can go do that. Uh, and I hope that you do. And listen, coming up next hour, um, we're going to talk to Thane Rosenbaum, who's a CBS News legal analyst. The Supreme Court made this announcement yesterday that it will take up the former guy's criminal immunity claims. This idea that Donald Trump uh, is putting forth this kind of wacky legal theory that presidents can do anything that they want while they're in office. Absolutely anything. 
And somebody asked, a reporter asked one of his lawyers, does that include murder? Like, what if Donald Trump orders SEAL Team 6 to go and murder somebody on American soil? Would that be protected under his claim of presidential immunity? And the lawyer said, yeah. Which sounds insane. And I, I, I think that it is. I'll talk to Thane Rosenbaum about that. He has a habit of throwing cold water on stuff that I think. So that's going to be a really interesting conversation. That's coming up in just about half an hour. I really want you to stick around for that. I'll step away here and take care of some more biz. I'm sorry, Coleman, I wasn't great with clock management this hour. But, hey, it's a leap day. I beg for your forgiveness. We'll come back with more of your texts and calls after this. The number is 504-260-1870. You can get in touch. We can talk about the short-term rental bill. We can talk about Donald Trump and his legal troubles. Uh, we can talk about... Oh, what did we speak about? Oh, yeah, I still got to get to the story about Lauren Boebert and her son, who's now facing five felony counts in Colorado in sort of a weird smattering of crimes. Like, I'll read you from the affidavit when I get back, but it's pretty hard to look at what's happening in this family and not feel kind of bad for him. Be right back. 257 here on WWL Radio. The news with Chris Miller is coming up in just a moment, but reading now from WWL.com. Tyler Bobert, the son of Representative Lauren Bobert, Bobo, was arrested on Tuesday in Colorado for a string of alleged property thefts and vehicle trespasses. 18-year-old Bobert is facing five felony counts after being arrested earlier this week. Police shared that the charges include four felony counts of criminal possession of identification documents and one felony count of conspiracy to commit a felony, including misdemeanors. He's being held on 22 possible charges. This is, of course, uh, big news, politically speaking, just because Lauren Boebert is not very popular, uh, not well-liked, and, you know, the more abrasive and obnoxious a bomb thrower you are, the more likely you are to have enemies in the media and across the political spectrum that will come out and, uh, you know, sort of dunk on you, kick you when you're down. However... This guy from Pennsylvania, Senator John Fetterman, he hit out against this cruelty. And he said in a tweet yesterday, this is a family in crisis. And the recreational cruelty that I see on social media, it needs to be out of bounds. I know the impact that this has on children. And I'm calling for restraint because cruelty has substantial collateral damage. We can't ever forget that they didn't sign up for this. John Fetterman, I think, is right. And I have to kind of catch myself. I really don't like Lauren Boebert. You probably already know that. But it is, it, it, it is sobering to look at what John Fetterman has to say about this and kind of think like, yeah, kids are supposed to be off limits, man. Even 18-year-old kids. So I'm curious to know. I, I think I forgot myself for a moment. Is it appropriate for us to say anything about this other than like, hey, good luck. You know, nobody's family is perfect. And uh, all we can do, I guess, is, is hope that you guys get the help you need and get things straightened out. This family's been through a lot. And are probably going to be through a lot, going through a lot more. So I don't know. Is it have we changed the rules? Is it now OK to make fun of people's kids? 
that are in politics that we don't like? I, I don't think so. And yet here I am. I found myself doing it. I'm curious what your thoughts on it are. I'll take some calls after the news. I'll be right back. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.